Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Your next president, Jason Hamill. Hell yeah. Fastball, slider, curve, and occasional change for Jason. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Swing and a miss, good comeback by Hamill. I give a voice to the people. I believe in you and you'll believe in me. Swing and a miss, so Hamill makes that big hit. The 0-2 strike three call. Bullseye, a knee-high fastball that hit the outside corner. Swing and a miss, strike three. Hamill very sharp. Jason Hamill and I approve this message. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station. Uh, some Silver Sun pickups to accompany some highlights. And then snippet of Jason Hamill running for president of, of something. I, I'm unhip to what that is, but maybe we'll get a chance to ask him. Oh, we will. He's on the line right now. We go uh, to Jason Hamill. On the Alpamani Ford hotline, Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park, and Jason Hamill is on Hit and Run. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for coming on. How you doing? Good morning, Matt. I'm doing well, thanks. That's a breath of fresh air, I guess, right there. Listen to those uh, the highlights in the uh, my old run, my old my pitch for running for president. <laughs> Remind me of the good old days. Was it was it actually for president of the United States? Was that the idea? What was that thing? I, I to tell you the honest truth, I have no idea. <laughs> it's the president of something. <laughs> the, pres- the, the president of something. <laughs> All right, Sean Anderson, our producer, hop on, Sean. Tell Jason what you just what you what you just pulled and where where it was from. So it's a YouTube video on uh, on YouTube, obviously, and it has like a hundred views. Oh, yeah. and I think it's for oh, like, yeah, I... uh, a T-shirt company. Yeah, it was for a T-shirt company, and. Um, they they were trying to. It was in the middle of the uh, same year in our last election, and I was kind of having some fun with it. It wasn't the last yeah. election, but it was just coming up, talking about the the, the election coming up. And um, they they were like, "Oh, here's our here's our idea. Let's have you run for run for president." <laughs> and so the. Whatever I, I, you know, my idea comes from the Happy Gilmore. Actually, it wasn't Happy Gilmore. It was a wedding singer from the uh, the drunk guy mm-hmm. in the bar and. He's like, hell yes, that guy. And that was, for whatever reason, I'd seen that, and it was stuck in my head, and <laughs> yeah, that became my punchline. Oh, well, how perfect is it that you just brought up the wedding singer? Because 
the song, one of the songs made famous in The Wedding Singer, um, it had already been famous, but it brought back, was Love Stinks by the Jay Giles Band. And yeah, I don't know, yeah. do you, and, and do you remember our interactions at Hot Stove Cool Music? It was 2015, and, and you taking part in that thing? Do you remember that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. All right, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. From my, from my perspective, I want the listeners to hear it too. So uh, me and Len Casper and the Chicago All-Stars getting ready to play that song, and Len says, uh, all right, your job is to find somebody to do the spoken word part. Love stinks, right? Love stinks. To do that part. Yeah. That, yeah. Yep. And, and so your job is to find somebody. And so the first person I see is Jose Cardinal in the, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the green room. And I have videos <laughs> somewhere of me teaching Jose Cardinal how to do the spoken word part in Love Stinks. Uh, yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh, my God, so much fun. And then I'm thinking, all right, well, is Madden going to be there? Is Theo? I asked Theo early on. He said, no, man, no, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then Theo shows up later again. I'm like, you got to help me, man. You got to help me. He's like, all right, let me go get some players. Hang on. Let me go get some players. And then he goes upstairs to all you guys were. And do you remember Theo asking you, is that how it happened? I, basically, yeah. I mean, he's he wasn't just walking around pitching everybody. I think it was kind of he's he, he's he's always a guy that you know assesses the room first. And yeah, I must have had nothing to do that day. <laughs> he said, "Hey, you want to you want to help out with this?" And it's pretty pretty basic. And I was like, "I guess, sure, whatever." <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a music guy. I don't mind it. And you know, it's a <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big Happy Gilmore fan too. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so Jason I'm Hamill. Jason Hamill, Jason Mott, and Travis Wood, the three of you guys mm-hmm. hanging out. And, and we talked about it, and we went upstairs, and then it ended up being the three of you and Jose Cardinal together all around one microphone. There's pictures. Somewhere there's video. We looked for it, Jason. <laughs> we were trying to find the audio of you guys doing it, but we could not find it. I guess you're lucky? Or... Uh, yeah, yeah. Incriminating footage. <laughs> kind of yeah, like my, but... my days as a mascot in college, which is good. Still haven't been able to find that. It's just good. <laughs> Ooh, now, now we're getting somewhere. Was that, was that at, at Treasure Valley Community College, or was it? It was. It was. It was. Yeah. So, 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 what was the mascot? What were you, Jason? We were. So our 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 team was uh, the Chuckers, and it's basically a, a game bird similar as to like a pheasant or something like that, and. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, I was a college kid, was broke, had no money and it was paying 10 bucks a game. And it was honestly something that the baseball team just kind of put on on ourselves. The, we stumbled upon it in the, the clubhouse and it was just in this black trash bag sitting on top of the lockers. And we were just hanging out one day after practice and we were like, what is up there? And somebody climbed up there, brought it down. And sure enough, there was giant like bird head that kind of looks like the Baltimore Oriole head. And then, uh-huh. you know, you, all we did was just put the, the bird head on, and then there were some wings that went with it, zip up, and then we just wore our baseball pants with our with our socks. We were high socks guys. And then you'd run up, you'd, you'd run upstairs and get to the gym, and it was like the only team we did was the basketball team. It was girls and men's basketball, and <laughs> that was just what we did. So, and, you know, we, I'd switch off with our second baseman, who was a foot and a half shorter than me, so you always knew who was running the gig. And... <laughs> And and it was it was just fun, you know. Guys way to let out on Friday nights, and you know it turned into something, and made a couple bucks for some some Arby's or or some Burger King here down the road. <laughs> wow, that is that is tremendous. And now I will frantically look for video for that, so I can yeah. put those things, good. put those videos together. <laughs> good good uh, luck. Uh, I've been looking for it too. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so, so this is after you were drafted. You were drafted out of high school in the 23rd round by the Mariners, but instead you went to college um, mm-hmm. and played some summer league ball and then drafted two years later in the 10th round by the Rays. So why, why not go right to the bigs? Did you want the college experience, Jason? Um, I, I did want the college experience. Obviously, my parents pushed you know, education first. And I agreed with it. And, and honestly, I wasn't like a, I wasn't this like shooting star. I wasn't this big time prospect. Um, the, I got kind of lucky at the time that I got spotted in high school. Uh, I was facing a, a top prospect um, who ended up signing with Arizona State on a football team. Um, and I handled him pretty easily that day. And there were some scouts there to watch him. And that's when kind of the baseball thing took off and it was towards the end of my high school, my senior year when that happened. So I didn't really have any build up to um, school. I was, I had, a, I had applied to go to a certain, a couple certain schools and I was going to try and walk on there. And then I was accepted already into a, a local community college that I was, you know, had a good chance of getting some type of aid, whether it was baseball scholarship or something like that. And, you know, things just happened and I ended up getting a scholarship after I got spotted that day to Treasure Valley. I went for a quick visit and things were great. And I came back and I mean, I signed there on the spot and I was ready to go for a scholarship. And, you know, so I took care of the, the, the school thing and I was going to get a little bit further in baseball. And then, you know, I was also six, seven, a buck 80, you know, like this <laughs> a wet noodle and, you know, run around in the shower to get wet. And so I ended up putting on a little weight in school and my velocity jumped up five or six miles an hour. And, you know, the rest of the rest of the story is told. <laughs> wow. Interesting. And then and then drafted by the Rays in 2002, as I mentioned, in the 10th round. I've been talking so much about the MLB draft, man, these past few mm-hmm. weeks and how and here comes the draft in 10 days and how they're 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 limiting it to five rounds. And that's it's a thousand players who will not get yeah. picked. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and both of the times that you were drafted, you might not have ended up getting picked. There's going to be guys who don't who don't get picked and can't go back to college who are just going to say, well, I guess that's it. And there's, there's going to be some careers that never happen because of this. Yeah. Right there. yeah. Yeah. Thursday was a dark day for sure. Um, it's it's uh, the draft coming up is, is one thing changing that. But, you know, cutting minor leaguers, you know, guys that are trying to live a dream. Um, and there there were so many minor league teams, too. So there's a lot of players underneath just one big league roster that are all trying to fulfill their, you know, potential or potential. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to think that only five rounds. I know you could still sign an unlimited amount of free agents, um, but then there's a, a cap on what they can sign for. You know, I, I do feel like some people will start to, like you said, they'll probably – struggle with their own value in their head and might give up on that dream. And, you know, baseball is a game we grew up playing in the cul-de-sac as a kid, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough right now to see kind of what's going on with baseball. <clears throat> it, it really is. And if you add that with the upcoming elimination of 40 minor league teams um, mm-hmm. next year. And I think, I think we're going to end up with kind of an odd redistribution of young talent where some of these independent league teams like the Chicago dogs or the Joliet Stammers or some of these teams are going to end up being, you know, legitimate options for people trying to keep their baseball career afloat. And maybe they still are. It still is that way for some people, but it's, there's going to be an influx of talent to, to teams, to teams like that. Don't you think? 
Oh, for sure. For sure. And honestly, there's there's a lot of guys that I know that uh, I've played with in my career um, that had been out of the game and they went into the independent ball route and found success again, found themselves and came back and were just as successful. Um, you know, Scotty Casimir was the guy that comes to name for me and he's, he's out there still, still, you know, can't get rid of, can't let go of the game. Um, hmm. and you know, it shows the competitors that, that just all athletes are, um, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, cause there's, and I'm sure it could happen with a lot of all the major sports right now. It's tough to see that what the COVID pandemic has done to sports in general, man, I just want to watch a game on TV right now. And, yeah. you know, you can't even do that to, find some solace it's just it's just a very weird time and you know there's a lot of things that there could be dreams crushed and there could be futures completely um derailed uh by what's yeah. going on right now so <clears throat> how how much did the money mean to you in the 10th round in 2002 because you said there's a cap now and it's 20k, twenty thousand mm. dollars, which obviously is a tremendous amount of money for a lot of us, um, mm. but is very is very low in terms of convincing somebody to not go to college or convincing somebody to perhaps not go down a different path or whatever. What, what did the money mean to you in the tenth round in 2002? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it really didn't mean much to me. As much as I could get, I was going to try and get. I had no representation, so I kind of did my negotiating mm-hmm. on my own, which probably cost me some bucks, but. I was just happy that I was going to continue to, to fulfill my dream. Like it was, I was getting steps closer in something that, you know, in high school kind of seemed pretty bleak. Um, it was, it was, uh, I think, I think my signing bonus was 50. I think I got 50 or maybe it's 65. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was, but I, again, it's, it's, it doesn't matter from going from a college kid to actually having something in your bank account is significant no matter what. So it was nice to have that. But for me, the, the idea that I was actually going to try to go even further in the game of baseball and, and take my dream further with the potential of making even more money. That was, that was what meant the most to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Hamill with us here on 670 the score. Mm-hmm. And now Jason, so you're, you're doing some work over at marquee. You're obviously good at talking about the game have been for a long time. Um, and uh, so, and, and what else, what, what else is going on in the life of, of Jason Hamill? I know you got, you got two wow. children, right? I have, I have two kids, so that means I'm getting my teaching degree on the fly. <laughs> yes, sir. Right there with you. Uh, oh, man, the e-learning thing is, is difficult, to say the least. And I can promise you that our teachers are very underpaid. <laughs> I can go to, go to great lengths to explain that. I'm sure there's a lot of people in America that can, too. Um, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's difficult to kind of manage. We have an eight- and a five-year-old and two dogs that don't stop barking, as you can hear in the background. <laughs> the um the the difficulty of trying to keep them on track when we're being parents and the teachers they they already didn't want to hear anything i wanted to say anyways just because i was a parent i was dad mm-hmm. and now when i'm trying to teach them math or reading or english and stuff like that like it's it's kind of really run its course now where the boredom's setting in and the weather's nice and so i'm obviously trying to finish out the school year with these guys and prepare them for a fun summer um at least we're able to get outside maybe do a little golfing here and there but yeah, just just kind of being a family man and learning my ABCs again. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I find that if I if I do structure like hardcore structure, 
I'm, I, I do a little bit better with my eight-year-old uh, boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, okay, hey, it's uh, it's 8.50, time to go uh, brush your teeth and take off the jammies and put on actual clothes, <laughs> and we're going to begin, quote, <laughs> school, unquote, at 9 o'clock, you know? And we do show yep. and tell. He brings a toy for show and tell. We do show and tell hey, at some awesome. point. Right. And I, I recommend it. I recommend it, man. And he brings like he brings the uh, and he'll bring like he's got a big stuffed bear. He's like, also, Daddy, Big Bear has brought a toy for show and tell. I'm like, All right. Let's, let's see it. What do we got? What do we got? He's, he's, he's got a smart boy. He's trying to extend that time so he doesn't have to do as much math. Homework. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. I'm trying. He enjoys baseball a little bit i i have had i had that one moment that i'll never forget it was i think it was two summers ago i want it more but like i was the dad in the park with a bag over my shoulder filled with baseballs and i was pitching and i was organizing like four or five different neighborhood kids as they had gloves and i was telling them how to field and where to do it and all right you be Mm -hmm. the catcher and you be you be the guy at the plate and and they're all you know they're all wiffle balls or whatever and it was like oh my god i've wanted this my whole life so that's great but he doesn't really like he doesn't really like watching the games at all. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Do, do your kids like <laughs> watching baseball with you? Uh, to be truthfully honest, uh, no, yeah. he doesn't. He he watched so mm-hmm. many games from the stands, and that was kind of one of the reasons why I ended up walking away. You know, it was I still have honestly I felt physically great when I retired in eighteen and <clears throat> or nineteen I guess, but the. Um, arm felt great and mentally I was still checked in. Um, but you know, seeing the damage done at home with mom being single mom for eight years, following me around being my cheerleader and the kids were not necessarily as excited. They were, they always had fun going to the ballpark and watching the games, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a desirable thing for them to do. They, they wanted that summer. They wanted to go hang out with their cousins and friends and be in the pool and stuff. And you could still do that during the day, but I wasn't there with them and they wanted me there. So, I kind of it kind of forced my hand, and you know I was able to have a good spring with the Rangers and great organization to give me a chance, but <clears throat> it just wasn't going to be worth the time and the effort again to go to keep going on, you know, as as much mm-hmm. as I wanted to. Um, just one of those life decisions that you have to face at some point, and you know I, I don't regret it, and you know it's it's been it's been fun being home, but I also didn't <laughs> plan on my retirement starting with a pandemic either, so it's been yeah. it's been weird to say the least. <clears throat> yeah, I, I understood. Um, Jason Hamill pitched for a lot of years. 2006, a debut with Tampa. 2018, at age 35, a final year with Kansas City. And as you mentioned, a spring in Texas. Um, I, I, You know, you were terrific, especially the first time here as a Cub. Just th- That was a really good run at 8-5 and five with a 2.98 ERA and 17 starts before the trade. That's you and that that's you and Samarja to to Oakland. Mm-hmm. It's the Addison Russell deal, yep. right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Shark uh, and I went over there. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but tell me, give me give me a moment. Maybe it's a a specific game. Sometime when you felt really really good about being a pitcher, felt really on top of your game at this the highest level. Like you got there, Jason. You got mm-hmm. to big leagues. You pitched a long time. And mm-hmm. you started 298 games. Is there one game or one moment where you think about then like, damn it, I was really good. I got it done that day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't necessarily known for a guy that 
completed my games. Um, I, I would definitely an innings eater for sure. Um, but you know, baseball is a game of adjustments, and I had to make quite a few of them uh, throughout my career. It wasn't just, I mean, it wasn't easy. It shouldn't be easy for anybody other than, say, like Mike Trout <laughs> because he's living on a different planet. Um, but I remember my game, uh, actually, it was in 14. It was that year that that you were uh, talking about. Talking. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's actually a couple games. My, my game when I was pitching against the Braves in Atlanta – um, it was a one hitter. I'd say that one probably resonates the most. Um, All right, hold on, because I... I'm look, I'm look, I'm looking at that right now. That's a one hitter, Jason Hayward, yep. a two out single in the seventh inning. J- your future yep. teammate, Jason Hayward, and that's yep. the only hit. It's a one hit shutout for Jason Hamill that day, huh? Yep, that day. It was just, it was uh, that, that. It was, it was a day where. So first of all, I knew going in my over my career, Atlanta had my number. In Atlanta, I couldn't pitch there. I was a sweaty dog. Like I couldn't. I always had always had trouble gripping the ball. So as humid as it was in Atlanta, I knew going in I was going to be it was going to be a battle from the get go. So I, I, I learned over time how to adjust my my pregame, not to get too sweaty going, but it didn't really matter. I knew I was going to sweat. So I was going really well that, and I had you know basically a no hitter into the into the seventh, and I was hitting my spots. I was throwing my changeup, which was my fourth best pitch, and it was being effective. And you know I was getting ground balls. Like it was, I just felt so comfortable. And in that seventh inning where I gave up that hit, I was like, well, this is where I could either shut down or I'm going to keep going. And because I was exhausted at that point and Buck left me in and said, hey, you're going to go ahead and keep doing this. And I just, you know, just rolled right through it. And, you know, Buck Showalter said after the game, he's like, this is a different Jason Hamill that, you know, we really didn't know we were getting. And, you know, it's, it's impressive. And, and for me, that kind of resonated in myself, my confidence that, you know, I'd, I was figuring it out. You know, if you're not learning in the game, you're not making any progress. And, you know, I would learned how to make the adjustments in, in the game in which I was in the stadium when I would get my butt kicked left and right. If you go back and look at my career numbers in Atlanta, <laughs> it's embarrassing. Um, like I shouldn't even be in the big leagues embarrassing. Um, and to get through that was really a big moment for me and just for self-confidence. And I think that really propelled me for the rest of my, you know, my next six, seven years of my career. It was, it was impressive for me and, you know, confidence building. Well, I, I have your numbers against Atlanta here if you want to, but, you know, I, I, I'm not going to read them to you. But the Internet is just... Uh, I'm, up, I'm up in the, like, six or the seven range, right? Seven ERA or something like that? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's bad. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I ever got out of a game without giving up more runs than innings pitched. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not great. Um, 11 games... <laughs> Um, how, how many runs? You have 41, 41 games in eleven in eleven or forty one runs in eleven games. Not as not as bad. All right, oh it's not God, good. That, it's not good. Oh, that's ugly. That is yeah. ugly. Oh man. Well, you, yeah. You know what? It, it has driven me crazy for a long time, Jason. You talk about Buck Showalter leaving you in and 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 pushing you and giving you a chance to learn. How managers do not allow so many starting pitchers to face the batting order the third time through. And mm-hmm. I, and it's just if you don't give a guy a chance to do it, how is he ever supposed to learn how to do it? You know, exactly. And, exactly. Right. It, it's like I could, so, I, could so, I could go on a rant. I could go on a rant. <laughs> I don't know. how much I saw those. Have, I, <laughs> I saw those rants on your face every once in a while, Jason. I saw those rants on your face as you would walk off. the yeah. mat. Tell me. Tell me. You said it. You said it perfectly. How are you expecting a guy to develop as a pitcher? 
if you're not allowing him to go deeper into the games. How do you expect him to go deep into a game? You know, that's 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 part of learning in anything in life, right? That's what you have to understand. And so basically what you're doing as a manager is you're showing you're showing that pitcher that I'm only going to go with you when you've got that the, the 20% of the time that you've got your A stuff. That's it. And then you're going to completely destroy a bullpen because whether or not you're trusting what your eyes tell you, like those bullpen guys are out there burning bullets, getting ready for that mid game outing. And it might not be necessary. And you know, it's, it's the, it's the evolution of baseball. It's the, the day and age of baseball, in which now it's matchups and, you know, the numbers have completely taken over and to a certain extent numbers tell the story. But again, in the game, what your eyes tell you should be trusted first. And I've seen many times where guys, shouldn't be going out there and just knowing that person and what they are and their grind, you know, they'll get through it. And then there's other times where you can, you can throw up a four or five five spot in like seven pitches. That's how quickly it can happen. And, you know, you gotta let guys figure that out. And if they can't figure it out, you know, you're only, we're going to continue to strip innings off those starting pitchers numbers because they're not going to know how to get through it late unless they have their A stuff. And it's just, that's just the fact of the matter. I've been through it, and you know, I was never a guy that wanted to come out of a game. And unfortunately, the manager's got the <laughs> he's got the final call, and you don't want to be a, a, a not a team player. But you know, the confidence in yourself sometimes can get in the way. But the confidence is the reason why we're at where we're at. <clears throat> so, so who could you talk to about that? Could you talk to? to Joe Madden about that? Or could you talk to a pitching coach about that? Or could you even talk to an executive about that and, and figure out, you know, why that mindset was pervasive and, 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 and if, and try to convince them to give you a shot to do it differently. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, talking and, and standing up for yourself and understanding that, you know, I believe I can do this. I want you to believe in me too. And it's kind of like being a salesman, you know, a sales pitch it because there are times when you think you can get it done and the, everybody else sees that you're not going to be able to get it done. And that's why the moves are made. But yeah, it's, it's all about being an advocate for yourself and, and asking, first of all, why did you do that? And then if something happens, then you adjust. And if, if, mm-hmm. if you end up not making it, not making good on your word, then you learn from that too. And it's also about put up or shut up. You have to, you have to do it if you're going to believe it. <laughs> if you're going to mm-hmm. try and defend it, you got to do it too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the few times you actually get a chance, you, you better, you better get it done yeah. or else you're not going to get that chance again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I blame Tony La Russa. I go back to, to Tony La Russa and I remember when, his A's teams with the Bash brothers were so dominant and he had these good starters. And then he had the closer in Eckersley. He had a righty lefty short man in uh, Rick, Rick Honeycutt and Eric Plunk. And then he had Greg Cattaray and Gene Nelson as the righty lefty long man. And then everybody's like, Oh, that's how you build a bullpen. Okay. Got it. Thank you very much. And everybody <laughs> tried to copy it. And yep. they didn't necessarily have the people to do it. It's like work with what you have people, you know, <laughs> use, use the arms that you have, but Man, if managers drive me crazy, they must have driven you really crazy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people saw that. It's just it was just the competitor in me. It was never meant as any disrespect. It was always just first of all, it was me knowing or thinking that I could get it done and the frustration or the you know, the the confidence to get it done. You know, it's 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 mm-hmm. just uh that's just the it's the the fire in an ex competitor and that's it. <laughs> 
this this texture um, texting the radio station. His name is Crazy Ryan, uh, but you know they have monikers. That's how they roll. Um, our people here on the score, Jason. He says Jason Hamill was on the mound for both Anthony Rizzo tarp catches. Is that yep. true? <laughs> yeah, it was. Wow. I remember those. <laughs> wow. But still, still to my day, people don't know how difficult that is. And you know, I'll pat Rizzo on the back many, many times. One of the best first basemen I've ever played with. Also probably one of the goofiest and uh i don't know when i came into the game he, he he didn't even know that i had played for other teams he thought i had my first my first win when i was here in 14 like it was it was kind of funny so some, somewhat immature and uh clueless at, at certain points but that guy to make those catches the the one where the one where he's literally standing and stepping almost into this the crowd to catch it was yes. unbelievable because that ball up there in in the chicago wind uh, as high as those things go, it's curling away from him. You know, to have balance do that, it's it's beyond impressive. I mean, hats off to him. And, and you know, and those were also big outs for me too. Yeah. <laughs> they're big, big outs for me to get me through difficult parts in the game. Yeah, and that's the thing—the courage and the fearlessness for him to go up there. But it fits the style, right? I love the way that yep. he charges on the bunt plays. I just, I just yep. think it it gets in the head of the opposition. It makes your life easier too as a pitcher, doesn't it? Yep, and it goes down in the books too, the scouting books. They, he, he will never get bunted at. Like, and if he does, it's probably a mistake, because mm-hmm. the guys like that, you're, the whole idea of a bunt defense is to take the bunt away, and he is committed to that. Like, if you don't get this bunt down in the where you're supposed to, it's probably going to be two outs. It's definitely going to be one out, mm-hmm. but it could be two outs, and that's that's what you don't want to get into. I mean, being a pitcher, we sacrifice bunt all the time, so. We're trying to figure out what side of the field. There's there's certain ways you want to go on different bunt defenses, and he takes that side away, and he's fearless when he does it. So, I mean, as a pitcher, it's super appreciated because also that's less area I have to cover coming off the mound, so I can focus more on making my pitch. You know, this, the, the chemistry and what you guys had together in 16, Jason, is so – is discussed often, and I remember, you know, seeing it and feeling it just a little bit. And, and and I've I've been talking about it for a while now. It's like I feel like since David Ross left, the organization has been looking for exactly what he brought the entire <laughs> time. Whether they go out and they get you know Daniel Descalso, or they go out and they get d- different guys, or whatever. Like maybe this guy can do this, maybe this guy can do that, or whatever. It's like I don't know if it'll work exactly the same as a manager, but I completely understand why they brought him there from a human perspective. Does that make sense to you to have him be the guy? One hundred percent. He's one of the players that I top tops of my list, top two or three, in which I would give him the utmost respect I could I could give any player. Um, essentially, he was a playing manager with us that year. Um, obviously, the two years that I was there, fifteen and sixteen, but the the times that he was there, you could. You could so you had Joe on one end of the dugout and he was doing his thing and and Rossi was was very close and you know just uh, basically analyzing along with him and then he would explain why Joe was doing this and then he'd explain some other different routes you could take too and just listening to his baseball brain go was impressive so I mean to have a guy that's obviously a, a catcher those one, those brains are very very special they they're the first they're the only guys to see the whole field. And they're analyzing everything going on, and his preparedness was second to none. Um, I do believe that coming in as a manager and having that experience with 
being behind the dish like that and then caring about analyzing a game like watching under Joe or any of the other guys he's ever played with, um, his brain was always going. So I do feel like it's going to be a great fit. And, you know, you can come back to the relationships that he has with the players. That, that might be the toughest thing for him is to see where that line is because it's going to be a gray area now because he's, he's the guy in charge. And, you know, sometimes those friendships can teeter a little bit and you're wondering, you know, you don't want to offend. And you also understand that it's, it's a job and you're trying to do what's best for the, for the team and the club that day. But, you know, I do feel like he's got the greatest head on his shoulders and they did an amazing job bringing him in to kind of follow in, you know, right after what Joe did, you know, winning the first world series in hundred years. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy that, uh, to sit back and watch, you know, I played with him and I, like I said, I have the utmost respect for him and I do feel like he's going to be very successful in that, in that role. Jason Hamill, this was really fun, man. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm doing some stuff over at Marquee on Cubs 360 every once in a while. I know you and Sean Marshall had the, uh, the, the trivia <laughs> battle. Um, yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but I can't I, believe I missed the last question. Oh my gosh. Uh, I was too busy. Ready. Yeah. I was too, I was too, I was too ready to, to, uh, celebrate and that that cost me the cost me the answer michael martinez my apologies (laughs) yeah no 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 worries it's only going to live on um forever just it's that's all it's just gonna yeah (laughs) live on in in perpetuity um but i hope to see you over there and um and i hope your family stays well and stays healthy your wife was uh very lovely and sweet that night uh years ago so i I hope i'm glad you guys are are doing okay good luck with the homeschooling all right (laughs) thanks a lot matt stay safe man Hey, you too, Jason. What a pleasure. Thank you. As Jason Hamill um, from Marquis and from the Cubs and from the Royals and the Rangers and the Orioles. You know, sometimes you talk to a guy and I really have never talked to him in depth like that. And we're just kind of scratching the surface, aren't we? There's a lot of places that we could go with Jason Hamill, who had a very long and interesting career playing for a lot of different people and with a lot of different people. Uh, It's hit and run on 670 The Score. Top of the hour, Mark Grody is live and local with you, continuing on The Score. When we come back, our man Chris Kampka will tie the room together like a nice area rug. It is The Score. It's hit and run. Keep it right here. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. (laughs) Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. You are listening to 670 The Score, and we take you back to the 90s with the stereo MCs every week because we get Cam Connected. That's what we do. We get Cam Connected with our man Chris Kamka. We are Get Ourselves Cam Connected. The Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago joins us right now on the Appamani Ford Hotline. Appamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am good. I am trying to remember what your colleague Jason Benetti once referred to you as. I believe it was a brain wrapped inside a smile wrapped inside a rainbow. Something like that? That sounds familiar. (laughs) It also sounds very Benettian. Uh, it, it really does, and I, I think he nailed it. But, uh, you know, I don't know if he nailed the good comp, bad comp segment when he said that Bartolo Colon was more like a McDonald's shamrock shake. I thought my Pablo Picasso was pretty spot on. But um, what do you think? Noted noted um, statistician and, and thought machine in our game. What do you think, Chris? Well, first of all, I, I appreciated the music, which makes me think more of Macho Man Randy Savage, local area product who, by the way, went to spring training with the White Sox in 1975, but didn't make the team. <laughs> See? Okay. That's beautiful. That's, that's the first tangent of the, of the segment. I love it. Well, as for the, um, the comp, the comp um, I can tell you, I can't tell you why one is right, but I can tell you why the other one is wrong. Okay. And uh, you might like what I have to say. Um, it is, it, it can't be a shamrock shake. And uh, and I'll explain why. When I was growing up, the Shamrock Shake, you know, it was a certain size. But as I got older, the large Shamrock Shake seemed to get smaller and smaller and smaller. (laughs) And in the case of Bartolo Colon, he kept getting larger and larger and larger. So that, for me, immediately is why Bartolo Colon cannot be a Shamrock Shake. I am unfamiliar with that dynamic of the shake. Was it all milkshakes or just the shamrock shake? I think it's just their sizing in general. Like, mm. I ordered a large. I'm like, this can't be a large. This this mm. is a medium. Mm. And uh, it's kind of, you know, I like big shakes. So, <laughs> And I, I cannot lie. It. I like big shakes and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny, Chris Gamka. So hold on. Now you got me wondering whether, like, the food scientists and the merchandising scientists at Big Fast Food have been pulling a fast one on us with their drink sizes over the years. And I'm, I'm betting that's probably true. I mean, because they, they want to find any way they can to pinch a penny or three off of every item they sell. I don't doubt that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. So you, that's why Bartolo is not a, a shamrock shake. You have established. Yep. That's it. Period. End of story. Okay. 
right. <clears throat> sounds, sounds good to me. Um, I, I, did you hear Carlton Fisk on with Ron Coomer and, and Zach Zabin? We played some today. Just such a pleasure to hear Fisk. I wish he did more of this kind of stuff. He's just, he's, he's so compelling and, and has mellowed quite a bit from, um, from a, a, a surly, a surly midlife, if you will. You bet I heard it. I mean, it's not very often I get to be on a show where my all time favorite player had an interview. So that's a thrill. And I've got some good. Fisk Nuggets that, you know, some of my all-time favorites. First of all, <clears throat> he's 72 years old. He wore number 72. Mm-hmm. He was the 72 American League Rookie of the Year. His son was born in 72. And he had 72 home runs after the age of 40. And that's that's my favorite stock Carlton Fisk Nugget. That, that, that's amazing. But 72. Of those 72 and... home runs he hit after the age of 40, 69 mm-hmm. of those came in games where he caught if you take every other 40-year-old catcher in Major League history and add them up, they have a combined 43 home runs. So wow. Fisk has beaten them all combined. Wow. That's, that's how few. That's amazing. So, so, he had, so say it again. He hit, he hit 43 homers? No, so he, it, uh, Fisk hit 69 home runs 69. after the age of 40 in games where he caught. Hmm. So a few of them were as a pinch hitter, DH. Every wow. every major leaguer in history, a catcher by the age of 40 or older in the game, has a combined 43 home runs. All right, so now you've got me thinking. If the category is, and you probably don't have it in front of you, and that's fine, but the category is catchers over the age of 40 who have homered in the big leagues. I'll take Bob Boone. Um, I, I'll bet he did. How about, did Benito Santiago keep catching into his 40s? Um, I think the, name, the biggest name after Fisk, if I remember correctly, was Rick Dempsey, believe it or not. Oh, sure. Sure. Rick Dempsey of the Orioles. Um, World Series MVP Rick Dempsey in 83? I believe you're right. I believe yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing. And here's uh, another one. Please, more Fisk. Fisk. <clears throat> Carlton Fisk is the Stan Musial of home runs. He has 376 of his career, 188 at home, 188 on the road. That is the highest number of any major league player ever that has the exact same at home and on the road. Oh, so, yeah, you love stuff like that. You love the magical symmetry that sometimes numbers and, and our sport can provide. You love that. Yeah, stuff. number two on that list is another catcher, Gary Carter. Wow. I, speaking of numbers like that, I believe, was it Warren Spahn had 363 wins and also had 363 hits as a, as, as a player? That rings a bell. I believe that's true. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look it up here um, because this is the important stuff, people. I don't know what people think is important, but uh, it, it absolutely is important. It is 363 wins for Warren Spahn. And in terms yep. of his uh, of his hitting, his standard batting as well, it is 363 hits. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. Thank you. This is why this is why I get to hang with Chris Kampka because every once in a while there's something rolling around in the brain there. Hey, in terms of Fisk, he led the league in triples as a rookie in '72, right? Yes, he did. And as a matter of fact, he's the only American League catcher ever to lead the league in triples still. 
Wow. Um, so, so when we did, we did this thing for the score when we were at Scorehouse, rest in peace, Scorehouse, and it was um, a baseball trivia thing, and I was uh, I was the trivia guru there, um, and I asked uh, Nick Shipkowski and Connor McKnight. A, uh, a baseball trivia question, a series of them. And one of the ones I asked was, what is the only category that Carlton Fisk has ever led the league in? And the answer in my mind was triples in 1972. Of course, I'm wrong because he led the league in hit by pitch in 1980. And I, I wish that was not the case. So my trivia question could actually be correct. Well, I mean, you could say, no, no, it's true. No, 13. No, yeah, he led the league. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 could, I could say, what is the only category that Carlton Fisk led the league in when he won Rookie of the Year in 1972? All right, thank you. This has been me workshopping my Carlton Fisk trivia questions. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, uh, my favorite all-time player, so I, I got plenty of nuggets on him. In fact, his final Major League home run was in 1993. Um, he, at age 45, he homered on the first pitch he saw the season. Wow. First pitch of the entire season at age 45. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and, and a little nugget I've passed along before to, to our friend Jim Deshays. Um, Fisk homered off of Jim Deshays for his final homer, and he's one of two Hall of Famers that Deshays allowed the final home run of their career to. The other was Mike Schmidt. So and he's like, yeah, I know. So. <laughs> Deshays has a great brain for stuff like this. He loves, he loves trivia. is 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 awfully good at it. Um, Deshays and 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 uh, so yeah, I'm 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 not surprised that he knows that and and remembers that. Um, He's also well is, aware of the fact that he has the most career plate appearances with an extra base hit. Jim's that's also Jim well aware of that. Really? Yes. yes. Wow, that's brutal. That is brutal. Um, what else is rolling around that big baseball brain of Chris Kampka before we wrap it up here on 670 The Score? Well, now we're exiting the month of May and there's no baseball. So I was curious as to who in Major League history has the most home runs in the season in which they did not play a single game before June 1st. Hmm. And it's pretty obscure, I know. And the answer is 27, and it's held by three players tied. Juan Gonzalez in 1995, Tony Clark in 1996, wow, and Jordan Alvarez last year. Oh wow, sure. Well, that that makes all the sense in the world that Jordan Alvarez would be that that guy, the Astros Astros DH and sometime outfielder who came up. I feel like I remember that Juan Gonzalez year too, where he just exploded onto the scene, having not played because of injury the first couple months. Is that number? That number is surprisingly low to me, considering that June, July, August, and September, you've got four months left, and 27 is the most anybody's ever hit? Well, no, I well, guess that, that's, that's not true. That's it's just the most guys most... who didn't play prior didn't to play. June 1st. Gotcha. I mean, obviously, gotcha. the guys who hit a ton of home runs, they're going to be healthy the whole year. They're going to be there. It's kind of a fluke thing. But, you know, since we're not going to have any games, I figured let's look it up because I've never – Never seen that question asked before, and I'm like, mm-hmm. there is something new I'm going to learn here, and so it is. Yeah, there it is. That's 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 interesting. Have you been waking up and watching any Korean baseball organization, Chris? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You have. Oh yeah, I enjoyed Jason Benetti. In fact, this uh, this morning, 
on the call with Jessica Mendoza. It was pretty good. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's tough to learn because, I mean, taking in an entire new league, it's a massive undertaking. So you have to watch a lot of it to, to kind of get it and let it sink in. And I've been enjoying it, though. It's interesting. Yeah, well, you know, it's a good practice for Benetti to do a game like that, as that may be the way that some big league games have to happen um, along the way, um, assuming we get the game back. Chris, you are the best. Thank you so much, man. I I really appreciate it every week. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. You're the greatest. That's Chris Kampka right there. Yeah, um, as I reported earlier on in the show, heard from a source who does a lot of work with uh, broadcast groups and, and talks to big league clubs and a lot of clubs preparing to have their broadcasters not travel. Um, but the good news is they're preparing as if there are going to be games. Let's hope there are games. Let's hope this week is a fruitful one in terms of negotiations and people show a willingness to figure it out and make a deal, Monty Hall. Uh, if you missed anything on today's show, you can go back and check out the podcast. Bronson Arroyo was terrific at 10 o'clock. Jason Hamill was really fun to talk to at 11 o'clock. And I had some um, some personal words off sports about our city and the moment we're in at the very top of the show at 9 o'clock, if you missed that. Sean Anderson, terrific job as always producing. Thank you so much. Mark Grody is up next live and local, continues right here on 670 The Score. Have a good week, everybody, and hopefully we get a deal for Major League Baseball to return. Guafi. See you later. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.